of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. Wherefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who has given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us, and for his sake grant us remission of all of our sins, and by your Holy Spirit increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will and true obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us and has given his only Son to die for us. To those who believe on his name, he gives power to become the children of God and has promised them his Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. Grant this, O Lord, unto us all. Amen. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Praise the Lord, all nations, and exalt him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the
Almighty God, whom to know is everlasting life, grant us to know your Son, Jesus, to be the way and the truth and the life, that we may boldly confess him to be the Christ, and steadfastly walk in the way that leads to life eternal. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The reading of the Holy Scriptures for this, the 15th Sunday after Pentecost. The Old Testament reading from the prophet Isaiah, the 51st chapter. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, but I might, that I might bless him and multiply him. For the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation. For a law will go out from me, and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near. My salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment, and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever. And my righteousness will never be dismayed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epistle reading from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, the 11th and the 12th chapters. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him, and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God that is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his ex exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This being also not only the 15th Sunday after Pentecost, but the day on which we commemorate St. Bartholomew Apostle, we now sing our hymn of commemoration as printed for you in the service folder.
16th chapter of Matthew. When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Together now we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God, our Father, and from our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Our text today is that portion of the reading you heard a moment ago from St. Matthew's account of the Gospel. These words, Jesus asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they answered, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So far our text, dear friends in our Lord. Location. Location. It means a lot when you're building. Consider, for instance, the Army Institution turned federal prison, the one put out in San Francisco Bay that we affectionately call the Rock. The location of Alcatraz Island made it very valuable property in the 19th century when United States government officials were seeking a strategic placement for a new military fortification. Because of the island's isolation amid the cold and the choppy waters of the bay, Alcatraz was a very difficult place to get into. And the same conditions made it then equally difficult to get out of or escape from. This would become one of its most noted, as you know, one of its most noted attributes when it became a prison in the 1930s. Alcatraz Island, its strength is in its location. Of course, weakness can also be in location. I need only mention that tower in the Italian city of Pisa, and you know what I'm talking about. Structurally, the overall composition of the tower is rather sound, above ground. It was built on marshlands, however, and on a, a weak and a shallow foundation. So you see the leaning tower, its weakness is in its location. Location means a lot when you're building. It's then interesting, but certainly not coincidental, that our Lord Jesus chose the location that he did to ask the disciples the question that he did. It's no coincidence at all that, as Matthew notes, it was in Caesarea Philippi that Jesus chose to make plain for all time the foundation, the cornerstone upon which he would build the Christian church. You see, Caesarea Philippi was a region famous or we might say infamous for its deep heritage of pagan worship. Even way back in the days of Joshua and his conquests in the Old Testament, the place then that went by the name Baal, Gad, was a hotbed of idolatry, Baal worship. And temple structures yet remain to the very day that Christ was in Caesarea Philippi with his disciples. As the centuries passed and with Greek and Hellenistic Influence the town and region became known as Panius, or Vanius, so named after the Greek god Pan, the god that was attributed to be the god by the Greeks of herds and of shepherds. And worship of Pan was centered there at the cave, centered there at the cave that lies on, on the face of a high, strong, rocky cliff, centered and central to Caesarea Philippi, and to this very day, you can go there and see the remains, and you can see the remaining niches carved into the, into the rock face spaces once dedicated to the god Pan and other, other nymphs. And beyond all this, King Herod the Great, the Herod of Christ's youth, Herod built at this location a temple to Caesar. Not, not that people might revere him as emperor, but he built there a temple to Caesar so that people might worship him as deity. As God. And so the location of Caesarea Philippi was no accident at all. Interesting to be sure, but no accident at, in Christ's measure at all. It was itself standing in stark contrast to the confession of the truth that Peter would declare there. But isn't it always, friends, isn't it always amid falsehoods that the truth must be and needs be confessed? You see, Jesus Christ knew exactly what he was doing, bringing his disciples there 
to elicit there the confession that he did. As one has put it, Jesus was there standing in an area littered with the temples of the Syrian gods, a place where the Greek gods looked down, a place where the white marbled splendor of the home of Caesar worship dominated the landscape. It's here, here in this location, that Christ chooses to pose the most important question that there is. Who do you say that I am? But notice how Christ posed the question in two phases, really. First, he asks, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? Who do others say that I am? And to this question, just like the disciples did, and you heard them do it in the, in the gospel reading, to this question, one can take a third party, non-committal and neutral position. Some say this of Jesus. Others say this of Jesus. You heard the disciples say it in the text today. Some say this of Jesus. Some say that of Jesus. And one can neutrally toss about all these claims about Jesus of Nazareth and perhaps chuckle at the absurdity in some of them and maybe give a more acknowledging or assenting nod to the others that seem to carry a bit more weight or gravity or credibility. You can do it. You can toss it about neutrally and yet to this question never really come down behind or upon or committed to one or the other. And you know the fact is many people try to live life under this question. Who do men say that Jesus is? Who do other people say that Jesus is? But never make a confession of him themselves. But you know you can't live life under that question. You can't live life under that question because Jesus of Nazareth won't let you. Remember the text? After they're tossing about the world's opinions, others' opinions, then Jesus of Nazareth makes it intimate. And he looked at them and he said, But you, but you, who do you say that I am? His words corner them. His words corner them so that there is no room for neutrality. And frankly, my friends, his words do the same here today. To you. To all of us who hear them. My friends, amid the gods of this age, in the opinions of the post-modern world, who do you say that Jesus of Nazareth is? Do you consider him to be merely like John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah, just, just another prophet? Many do. Do you consider him only a fine moralist, a Galilean holy man, with high ethics, who had something to teach us about life and love. But contrary to the claims of Christendom, never really claimed to be the Savior. Because many say this is precisely who Jesus of Nazareth was. You consider him a misunderstood man. Indeed, a man misunderstood about his own identity, who when he asked the disciples, who do people say that I am, was really hoping they'd clue him in to who he was. And what he was supposed to be about, because some people do think this of Jesus. Amid the gods of this age, do you regard him to be like Baal? A god, it was believed, who demands the sacrifices and the works of his subjects as appeasement to wrath? Do you see him standing shoulder to shoulder with the Greek god Pan? one among other gods. Or like Caesar, a god welcoming of other gods, but standing just a bit taller than all the rest. Not my words, friends, but his word today has posed to you, each of you, the question that cannot be avoided. Who do you say that I am? 
It's interesting regarding this question. It's interesting that in the Greek, in the Greek language, in the text, it's clear here that Jesus addresses the question not just to one individual, one individual disciple, but he addresses it to all there. Literally in the Greek, who do you plural? It's clear in the Greek language. Who do you plural? Say that I am. Allowing for and expecting but one answer. He addresses the question to the church in that place. And on behalf of the individuals of the church in that place, Simon answers with the church's one answer. Jesus, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. My friends, from many throats and yet with with one voice, you too with Peter and all the members of the church throughout the world and, and in heaven, Say of Jesus, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Already this morning, you confessed it, did you not? Just a couple minutes ago, in the creed, from the lips of the young and and old alike, you confessed it. Thou art the Christ. You confessed it in the church's liturgy. From the lips of young and old alike, Thou art the Christ, Son of the Father. Lord God, Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is your confession. This is your confession. And therefore, blessed are you, says your God. Blessed are you. It's what he said to Peter, isn't it? Blessed are you. You are very blessed because you didn't arrive at this confession on your own. You can't. You didn't arrive here by human efforts. Flesh and blood, Jesus said today to Peter. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You see, the wisdom of flesh and the wisdom of blood, the wisdom of mankind will lead you into other ways and into all other supposed truths about Jesus of Nazareth. But note this very well, friends. That Jesus affirms no other confession of him than the one uttered of him in the text. And he builds on no other Christ. He builds his church on no other Christ than on him who in the text is confessed today. The one who the true church still does confess. Jesus of Nazareth, flesh and son of man, and yet divine son of the living God. Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. But the Father in heaven. You know how Paul puts it? He says, no one can confess that Jesus is Lord, that he's God, son of the living God. No one can confess that except, he says, by the Holy Spirit, because the Father reveals it by the Holy Spirit. Luther put it this way. Maybe you remember it from from memorizing the catechism in confirmation. He said, I cannot by my own reason or strength Flesh and blood. I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me to it, revealed it to me, called me by the gospel and enlightened me with his gifts. With those gifts. It's the way revelation comes, it's the way the confession comes. And you know, one of those gifts, baptism, it's where your name was changed, dear Simon. Did you, did you see that? Did you pick that up in the text for today? The name change with the confession. Christ marks the Spirit-enabled confessing Simon, son of Jonah, with a new name. You are Peter, he says to him. Upon the confession, you are Peter. It's a, it's a name characteristic of what by grace that this rightly confessing Simon in the words of the Old Testament reading, was hewn from. His name, he named him Petros, rock. Rock man, he named him Petros because he was hewn from the Petra, the rock of that confession and of the Christ. Your name was changed too. Baptism, 
Think back even a week ago. If you saw it at the 11 o'clock service, if you were here to witness it, to the font was brought little Mark Howe, DeVries, just like you once were brought to the font. Brought to the font. He was, and he came away from those waters, word enriched. He came away with a new name. He's now a Christian. And he's been confessing ever since. For even from the lips of babes and infants does God perfect, perfect praise. And ever since your trip to the name-changing waters, you've been confessing too. And so, and so you do by baptismal grace, you believe the church's one confession. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. The, and you, you believe it in your heart, do you not? And you confess it with your lips, do you not? And you confess it in your lives, do we not? Don't we? I think we know the answer to that one. And the answer is not always like we should. Not always like we should. Well, we, well, we would confess Him with our mouths so often, we make a different confession with our hands. Doing things that are unfit for Christian hands. And with our feet as we allow them to take us in ways that we should not go. And with our eyes and with our ears, shaky and unsteady. That's what we are. There's no place upon which, there's no location upon which to build a church. Shaky and unsteady is what we've been when it comes to confessing Christ with our lives, like Peter. Like Peter we've been, who even just verses after his great confession from today's text is rebuked harshly by Jesus for having not in mind the things of God, but the things of men when he said, No, Christ, don't go to the cross. Don't talk about dying and crucifixion. And only chapters later we find Peter cornered in the courtyard by a threatening servant girl, denying, denying that he ever even knew Jesus of Nazareth. Peter wavered. He is not the rock. And you and I, we waver, and we are not the rock. Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, does not waver. He is the rock. We'll be unfaithful. He's always faithful. We'll stagger. He will be our stay. We'll sink in doubt. And He will bear us up again. We're predictably unpredictable. But that's why with Peter we rest firmly on Him whom we confess, Jesus Christ. For it's the Son of the living God who lived with His hands and feet and eyes and ears and mouth, heart and mind, the perfect life that we're incapable of living. And it's the Son of the living God who unmoved by the daunting task, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, willingly suffered and became the atonement, the atoning sacrifice for what your hands and mine and our feet and eyes and ears and mouth, heart and mind have done and have earned our sins. And it's the Son of the living God who now lives again to confirm that the deed is done. And to the only living God, you and I have been reconciled. Dear Christian, and I call you by name, dear Christian, if you want security, don't look to your own steadiness, but look to the rock, dear Christian, from which you were hewn. And where are you certain to find that Christ won, that cross won forgiveness, and the Christ who gives it? It's in the church. It's in the church. But no need to look for Peter and his supposed papal successors to enjoy the unshackling from sins that comes through the keys of heaven. Don't look for Peter, but friends, listen for him. Listen for him and, and for all those who confess of Christ what he did that day, for there in that location 
Where you hear that confession, where that confession sounds, you'll find the church to whom Christ has given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Word purely preached and taught. Sacraments administered according to the expressed instructions of our Lord Jesus, the Christ. These are the sights and the sounds of the rattling of heaven's keys. One concluding thought with it all today. As I mentioned earlier today in the service, today the church, much of the church commemorates and marks St. Bartholomew, apostle and martyr. No doubt that Bartholomew was there that day, surely as one of the twelve. As an apostle, he would have been there at this historic moment in biblical time at Caesarea Philippi, standing or walking with Jesus and Peter and the others. And what an impact, surely what an impact Christ rocks all had promised must have had on him when Christ said, not even, my dear ones, not even the gates of hell will prevail against my church and its confession. For you see, as we commemorate the Apostle Bartholomew today, we recall that the tradition has it that he, Bartholomew, after, after the resurrection and, the, and ascension, he, he was called to, to carry the gospel into faraway lands. Indeed, it said he even carried the gospel of Matthew, the very words that you heard today. In the language of the people, he carried them into parts of Persia and Arabia, even into India. But tradition also tells us of Bartholomew that that he was so compelled to confess Christ to the, to the bloody end that evidently he gave himself over to be flayed and skinned alive and then crucified for the conviction that would not be moved underneath his feet. You see, for him, Bartholomew, his strength like yours is in our location. Built on the rock, the church shall stand even when steeples are falling. God grant us such courage in confession, and he will. As with St. Bartholomew, we look to the rock, Jesus Christ, upon which the church shall stand forever and forever. In the name of Jesus the Christ, amen.
let us implore his mercy on behalf of the church and the world and all those in need. Among others in our prayers today, we remember in our prayers the family of Vernon Lee who mourns his death and with us will gather this Thursday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon for Vernon's funeral. We remember also Gladys Means who with us, her Christian family, mourns the death of her husband and our dear brother in Christ, Earl. We remember also Martin Morkenhagen and Ellie who mourn the death of Martin's brother, Arno, and we rejoice with Bill and Carol Hobby for the 46 years of marriage with which our Lord has blessed them. We pray. Almighty God, you have built your church on the confession of your Son and have promised that the gates of hell will not overcome it. To your church throughout the world, grant the faith and courage to confess in all times of life that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O Lord, you have given your church the authority to forgive the sins of penitent sinners, but to retain the sins of the impenitent as long as they do not repent. Grant that all pastors faithfully carry out this task publicly on behalf of your church, that all may know the joy of sins forgiven and eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Sustain those in positions of oversight in the church that they may be faithful to the point of death in exercise of their duties. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O Lord, watch over this nation and its people. Through the political process, give to us leaders that govern with integrity, who pursue peace and justice, and who curb evil. Protect the soldiers serving in our military from harm, both here and in places we're deployed abroad. We pray especially for the cousin of Guy Takamatsu, who has been deployed with his unit to the Middle East. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Lord God, from whom comes all wisdom, Bless all teachers and students as they prepare to resume school studies in these days. Allow the teachers to uphold truth in their teaching and allow children to learn in obedient respect. Be also with the several men and women of our congregation who now move or prepare to move to other locations to study at college and university. Keep them in your care. And by their continued use of your word and sacrament, preserve them in their baptismal grace that they might through their education, serve the good of fellow men and women well here below, and remaining steadfast in the faith through the means that you provide might be kept through all trial and temptation unto life everlasting. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Gracious Lord, hear our prayer for those who are laden with illness, including the homebound members of our congregation. Uphold them in spirit. And according to your will, grant them healing, or the faithful patience to endure that which you have lovingly chosen for them. Comfort those who mourn, including the family of Vernon Lee. Comfort also Martin Borkenhagen and Ellie, who mourn the loss of Martin's brother, and Gladys Means, who grieves the death of husband Earl. May your cross won and resurrection secured promises be the constant comfort of your people. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Lord of all good, with Bill and Carol Hobby, we give you thanks for the 46 years of marriage that they celebrate. Be always the rock of security in their home and lives, that they might live all their days together in quiet confidence of your love for them and for us all, shown in Christ Jesus. And by it, may they ever continue and ever grow and increase in love toward one another. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Lord God, we give you thanks for the believing men and women who have gone before us in the faith. And today do we give thanks for your redeemed servant, St. Bartholomew. Following the example of your grace in his life, may we too confess with courage Jesus to be the Christ, your risen Son, and our Lord. And through all tribulation that, that being kept, unto, kept faithful unto death, we, like he, may too wear the crown of everlasting life, which for us all Christ has won. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, is the kingdom, and the Almighty and merciful God, we have again worshipped in your presence and received both forgiveness of our many sins and the assurance of your love in Jesus the Christ. We thank you for this undeserved grace and ask you to keep us in the faith until with all of your saints we inherit the fullness of our eternal salvation through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.